If this pandemic has done one thing, it has shaken our security. I mean, before all this happened, we had so many things going on. We took so much for granted. We would shop, we'd eat out, we'd have people that are home with gatherings, and we wouldn't even think twice about it. We would go to work, we'd get our hair cut, we'd even get to go to school. But then we complain about it. We complain about how busy we were, how much we didn't like a certain class, or how we're completely overwhelmed and sick of driving our kids around. Our lives and our calendars were full and we were stressed out about it. But that was two months ago. Now everything has changed. Our lives feel unsure and unstable. We're scared of losing our jobs. We're scared of getting sick. Our finances are in jeopardy as well as our future. We're scared. It's crazy how situations that we go through shape us. I'm kind of a sociology nerd and I, I like exploring what shape different generations. And so for instance, the GI generation or the greatest generation are the ones who lived through the Great Depression and World War II. Because of that, they tend to keep everything and they, they live through a time of having nothing. So just being able to run to a store and buy something wasn't an option for them back then. So many of that time and those raised by that generation, they tend to keep everything to try to repurpose it. So if you ever were at your grandma's house or great grandma's house and they told you not to throw something away because it's still good, you know what I'm talking about. Counter that with Generation X or the Millennials. I'm part of Gen X, who were people in their 30s to 50s. We grew up in a disposable world because we grew up in a time of American abundance. We buy things that are cheaper from China and then when it breaks, we go, let's go buy a new one. We even buy things just because a new version came out that would be unthinkable to our grandparents and to that generation. Fear shaped the GI generation to keep everything. Even though the world has changed, many of them have not changed their perspective. They still have the what if it happens again thinking that kept them holding on to so many things that could have been disposed or donated years ago. So now we're at another shaping moment. COVID is shaping a generation. We have no idea what the results are going to be. But something that ties the life-shaping life moments of every generation together is fear. From GIs to baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and to the newly named Generation Z, fear and uncertainty have been involved with us, and it shapes all of our responses. It shapes our way of living, and it shapes our culture. We have fear and uncertainty in our personal lives as well. They are those huge, scary, fierce situations that seem to threaten to attack us. They are kind of like a lion. Think of a lion. They're these lions in our lives that we, they need to be tamed, or maybe they're tamed at the moment, but they're unpredictable. It's like they live in a room with us, and we can sleep. We have to sleep with one eye open. All of our lives have these lions, these scary moments that shaped us, times that have broken us, attacked us, and has even killed part of us. They've been so impactful that we are never the same again. It's changed the way we live our lives. Lions have come into our lives, and so we're all living with one now. So my question to you today is, what do you do when you have to face your lions? That's where we're gonna pick up our story today. We're going to explore the life of a man named Daniel. Daniel's a man who went through some unbelievable things in his life to the point where he had to face real lions where he was put to literally be killed. How did he respond in these moments? 
So flip in your Bibles or your Bible apps to the book of Daniel. We'll be covering a few passages in the book. So this is a great time to read along or if you're new to Bible reading, hey, it's a great time to start. It, it, something you can do is mark verses. Uh, you can mark verses in your Bible that influence you, verses you want to memorize, ones to encourage you, just ones you want to remember when you need wisdom or strength when you're facing those lines in your life. On the Bible app, if you're using that, you can highlight verses, you can save them for later, and you can also share them on social media. So a little background for you as we get into this. So we're going to start Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Let's jump into the story. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in a treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, king of his, his court, of court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to, say, to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter into the king's service. Among those who were chosen were from, some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Mish. Uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So Daniel is part of some sort of nobility, along with some other young men mentioned in the story. Their country was at war with Babylon, and they lost. The results were that the country was overtaken, the Israelites were exiled. So he, along with some other young Hebrew men, were taken from Israel, their homeland, to Babylon to be trained as scholars and servants for the Babylonian Empire. So this young man, who we can assume is living a pretty cush life, right? Being of some sort of lineage of nobility, he's handsome, he's got all these things going for him. He had his entire world rocked. Imagine how this would have shaped his worldview, his life, and his entire belief system. He had so much promise. He had so much future. had so many things to look forward to. And all of that changed and all of that rocked because of a war in his country. His, fu his future wasn't his anymore. He now belonged to Babylon. Exile is a painful part of the story of the Hebrew people. In the Old Testament, God's people were exiled from the Promised Land because of their sin. The empires of the age, like Babylon, were allowed to conquer God's people of Israel over and over again because of their sin, and Israel will not become an independent nation again for thousands of years. Could you imagine how America would be shaped, how we would be shaped if we were exiled, if we were a wandering group of people with no land of our own, I mean, exile is a difficult time, painful transition for the people who are in it. However, in this story, God's working in the story that, that, they, that they couldn't see it quite yet. For the Hebrews, the time of exile was a preparation before the coming Messiah. They had times of prosperity, and they had times of persecution. That's where we drop Daniel right into the middle of this story. So how did Daniel respond to this terrible new reality he rose in the ranks of the king's court. I mean, it's amazing. Like, he didn't duck his head, fall apart, or turn away from God. In fact, he stood strong, and he was known for his faith in God. 
he became a major player and eventually had great influence with the Babylonian king. Daniel never lost hope in God's plan for his people and his provision, both in prosperity and persecution. So how does your faith in God, I mean, what happens when things are in the highs and the lows? How is your faith holding right now? Six months ago, when everything was thriving, is your trust in God the same as it is today? How are you facing your lines, those huge, scary, fierce situations that threaten to attack you? What is your go-to? I'm going to be honest with you. My go-to is I crumble. I get depressed. I tend to hide. I do anything so I can feel like I have some sense of small control in my, my life. My faith in God, it typically stays strong, but I become silent and I worry and I turn away from prayer. I start to focus on myself and my situation. My trust, it starts to waver a little bit. And I have all these why God moments. What did Daniel do? He thrived. He thrived in this new reality. Daniel had times in exile when life could be considered good, and he had this wisdom, and he had God's favor, and he had a good job, and he had this influence over the king. And all these things are happening. So instead of revolting and fighting back, or even going to some sort of self-pity, he strove to serve God every day despite his circumstances. Because of his faithfulness through all of it, he gained favor with God and other people. But... There's the other side of the story, because exile for Daniel was also a time of persecution. People wanted to destroy Daniel because of his faith in God, and Daniel was thrown into a literal lion's den to be killed. And that's where we'll pick up the story once again at Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 28. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satrap tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and the governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who pays uh, praise to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in a writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So, King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned of the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? Well, the king answered, the decree stands. 
in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and was placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. May my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong, any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear God and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and miracles in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. The Persian. There's something here I just want to point out in this story. Something that goes beyond the miracle of the lions, the, the king who was tricked. Something that goes beyond the faith and trust of even Daniel. God allowed Daniel to go into the lion's den. Have you ever thought about that? Like, he didn't stop the scenario. This amazing, faithful, thriving man who put all of his hope in God still was put into the lion's den? Like, as we read the Bible, we start to see that this happens over and over again. Men and women who are faced with difficult situations, God doesn't make the situation go away. Instead, he uses each one to shape and mold them. So there's not a question if you're going to go through something hard. It's not a question if we're going to get thrown into a lion's den. 
The question is, how do you respond when you face your lions? So here we see Daniel, an exile who did everything right. He thrived in this new scenario. His faith stayed strong. He was still thrown into the lion's den. He faced certain death. But God saved the day. Friends, some of you are in the lion's den right now. Perhaps it's COVID that, that has you afraid. The loss of a job, the fear of losing your health or your, the health of a loved one. Some of you are going through divorces, broken friendships, broken trust. Some of you are struggling with raising your kids right now. It's a hard time of parenting. Some of you are even going through pain because you made bad choices in the past and now you have to live through them. You are in a lion's den and they're roaring around you. They're just are terrifying. So what do you do? Friends, you've got to face your lions. You can't, you can't outrun them. Running from your lions results just in more pain and more struggle. So for an example, are you afraid of failing? Because something happened in your past that ended up bad and it scarred you. So because of that, you are just so afraid of taking a risk. You're so afraid of going back into that pain again. Are you controlling and a perfectionist? Is it driven from some fear of being rejected? So you do everything you can to never be hurt again. And use perfectionism to cover that up. Our past shapes the way we see the world and our situations. Here's the beautiful thing about God, though. He takes our broken, hurting selves and he creates something so beautiful. He takes the story of rejection and becomes accepted. He takes our failure and creates perfection. Our God brings angels into the den of the lions and he shuts their mouths. He doesn't take us out of the den, but our God provides the answer. Life is hard. It can feel like there are lions all around us all the time, just ready to devour us. And, and that's where our faith is everything. A true, thriving relationship with God, it shapes and it molds us, regardless of our past. He takes our broken pieces and he makes something beautiful. So that is why a religious go-to-church-because-you-have-to way of faith is just dead. Our faith is shaping us to be ready to face our lions. It gives us tools and the ability to change the narrative, to create a new story. That story is hope. Hope in our God. Hope that he loves us the way that he says he does. Hope that he has a plan for us. Hope that regardless of our situation, nothing separates us from his love. Not even death. What tethered Daniel's faith in God was his type of hope, was this key factor of hope. For exiles, the hope of God's redemption was the core of continuing in life. Daniel knew that the exile was not permanent, and he had hope in the God of Israel. For Hebrews like Daniel, they would tell stories of Abraham and of Moses and how God redeemed his people in the worst of times. The, the God of Israel was a God you could trust, and it was that's the one we place our hope in, is this God. So today, I pass that same hope to you. Though you are in the lion's den, the God that shut the mouths of lions is for you. Because of him, you can face the lions. Will you pray with me? Great God, we are just going through so much right now. So much is happening in our world, God, and, and, and there's so much fear. There's so much pain, Lord. We feel like exiles at times. We feel lost. We're hurting. We're scared, God. 
There are lions surrounding us. And so we call out to the God who shut the mouth of lions, please save us. Grow our faith to be one of Daniel's so that no matter what, we stand strong. We stand strong just like Daniel in the midst of lions roaring. Shut their mouths. Give us that strength, God, so that we can bring that hope into the world. Our hope rests in you. There are friends right now going through so much. There are friends right now out there, God, who are so afraid. There are broken people in need of a Savior. And God, we call out to you. Build in us what Daniel had, that no matter what, we stand strong because of you. Lord, give us the faith. Show us how to be strong like Daniel so that we can stand firm no matter what. We love you. We pray in your great name. Amen. Daniel was captured and taken to a foreign land. He did everything right, and he held strong to his faith. In, in the times of thriving, in the times of struggle, Daniel did not waver. But he went through some terrible things. Because of his faith, God provided for him in miraculous ways. And so, friends, be encouraged today. Though you may be in the den, do not be afraid. The roaring, loud thing in your life that's shaking you to the very core can be conquered. All because the God who shut the mouths of lions is with you. Because of him, you can face your lions. I want to challenge you to keep this conversation going. At the end of the service, we're going to have some questions up on the screen. Take pictures with your phone, write them down, and then take time to discuss them with the people in your home or journal your thoughts and your answers. Love and blessings to all of us at Mosaic. We miss every single one of you and look forward to the day we're back together. Have an awesome, awesome week.